Noah, what is the key insight? Exopodia is the key insight. Six feet. And what is that supposed to mean? That there is often some key nugget of fact. <laughs> if you grasp it and place it in its proper context, will transform your view of the situation, allowing you to drop it completely. And in the context of Werner Vinge's amazing, mind-bending science fiction space opera novel, A Fire Upon the Deep, the importance of Exopodia is that those sapient bushes riding around on six-wheeled scooters have been genetically programmed to be spies and agents for the great evil. Today, however, we seek different key insights than Hexapodia. And Brad, what do you think they are? Today, we seek key insights about whether there is in fact a split between center-leftists and leftist-leftists, and if so, what it is. All right. This is a very interesting topic. I feel like America is starting to shift back toward politics because, you know, an election's coming up. We have a one-and-a-half-year election cycle with two-and-a-half years of actual governing in America. You are an optimistic and, person. Okay. And so we're starting to shift back toward politics. Okay. Um, but do we really want to shift back toward politics when we think about the difference between center leftists and leftists, or do we want to think about policy? Well, I think that those are more difficult to separate than people think. Indeed. I think um, th those are actually deeply intertwined. Um, I could go off on a whole rant about how in rich countries policies are sometimes symbolic about which political faction has higher status rather than designed to materially affect people's conditions of living, but that's Which is indeed day. often true. <laughs> so when Todd Tucker gets up and says, you know, we, we can't reform NEPA because we need to preserve the democratic coalition, uh, you know, he's, he's probably secretly hoping that someone else will do the political work of reforming NEPA, and then he can say he always stood in solidarity with the environmental lawyers that give him money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Todd, but I okay. know that deep down in your heart you want to reform NEPA. Okay, so I suppose there are three questions. There are which policies should you enact, um, and then also which policies should you advocate in order not to disvalued members of your coalition. And in fact, valued, valued members of your coalition have parties that they definitely want enacted, but you are not going to lift a finger to do so, are they, in fact, important and valued members of your coalition? Um, and finally, there's the question of who do you put in your coalition, which is pure politics, we should say. Well, everyone should be, right? Um, everyone in should coalition. be in the coalition. Um, all right-thinking people and wrong-thinking people who can become right-thinking people should definitely be in the coalition. I fear the day when everyone agrees with me. It means, you know, nobody's calling me on the things I get wrong. No, okay. All right. Anyway, let's go on to the idea of the uh, conflict between the center-left and the left. You basically were thinking of three blog posts or articles that indicated such a conflict, one by um, Brianna Wu, one by Matt Iglesias, and one by Ezra Klein. So yes, triangulation. Tell me, tell me what those three say. So I don't actually know Brianna Wu that well. You don't. I, okay. I really avoided Gamergate like the plague yeah. and that yeah. because it was a disgusting, horrible thing yes. uh, that effectively put an end to the unified nerd culture that had existed for several decades prior. Although she was, not, she was not an instigator. Right. She was not an instigator. She was actually a principal victim of the shit that came down. Yes, yes, indeed, I have friends who were also victims of that shit. Yes. So maybe not to the degree she was, but... And her podcast, right, her mm -hmm. Rocket podcast, 
is quite good is quite good as long as they're on something that you're interested in and they range over so many topics that eventually they hit something that you're interested in and it also has many more many many more laughs and much more singing per minute than your average podcast so i do recommend the rocket podcast should we sing songs should we do karaoke on hexapodia <laughs> i think we should not do karaoke on hexapodia i'm um, i'm slightly tone deaf but i'm you know i'm okay we could then use auto-tune. We should. We should do auto-tune karaoke. Okay, so, so we here sing. we can ask, ask, we ask for, for comments. Should we do carry auto-tuned karaoke on this podcast or not? And we'll see what mm. comes up. Okay. I, uh, we, we should, what, what would we do? We could do old, uh, like, you know, New Deal propaganda songs. We could. Look for the union label. <laughs> we could do um, um, Pete Seeger's song before June 22nd, 1941, about how Roosevelt wants to intervene in Europe and so plow under every fourth American boy. Hmm. And that we should stay out of World War II and not even give the British any weapons. How'd that work out for him? <laughs> he changed his mind on June 22nd, 1941, for some reason or other. <laughs> you know. uh, anyway, um, Brianna has a rant um, on how there are policy leftists and infinite leftists, um, and how... She is a policy leftist, and she has to corral infinite leftists to work for campaigns that her rebellion pack funds and launches. And corralling the infinite leftists to actually be useful is incredibly, incredibly hard. Right? That she's trying to get people to say, "All right, um, let's work for single, let's work, work for universal health care." Um, all right, so then we get, we're going to advocate for true universal health care rather than this bizarre Medicaid plus exchanges plus private insurance things. We're going to advocate for single payer. And then some of the infinite leftists start saying, wait a minute, um, single payer universal health care, it's still capitalism. It needs to be nationalized single payer health care. We won't sign up for single payer. We will require a national health service with no kind of private side buyout um, or alternative lanes to it. Um, that's capitalism. We need to nationalize it. Um, but we can, that's not enough. That's not enough. Since the medical establishment discriminates against trans people, we need to make sure that every single, every single medication taken, given, is given with informed consent. Um, and then the next people say, they actually, no, we should not. Um, be addressing people's needs to be informed about how things they are being given are affecting their personality or hormonal balance. We need to work to eliminate the idea of gender itself. Um, and Brianna says the argument becomes a mess and nothing gets done. That when it actually comes to actually getting policy passed, it's cancer. It trains people to expect utopia with none of the compromises needed in a democracy. And so as a result, because the infinite leftists will not listen to her, the policy leftist, and get on board, there's no future for progressives taking over the party from corporate Democrats. And she very much wants to do that. Now, moving on to the second, um, we have someone who... Wait, shouldn't we discuss that one first? I just want to, point out, to... I point out, moving on to the second, we have Matthew Iglesias, whom Brianna would characterize as a corporate Democrat, but who largely has the same critique of Brianna and company 
that Brianna has of the infinite leftists to her kind of left. Um, that is that the people, the maps left, they are as interested in social issues as economic issues. And the fact that they're interested in taking progressive positions, hard progressive positions on social issues, is blocking our ability to actually make progress on economic issues. But back to talking about Brianna. You have views? Oh, I mean, um, it mm -hmm. is important to note that uh, a lot of people seem to be saying the similar things about the people immediately to their left in this in this discourse. Yes. Um, I, I absolutely have many views. I mm -hmm. think that what we should understand, first of all, is that we live in a rich country mm -hmm. where there are some poor people who are mostly not involved in this dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, where most of the people involved in this dialogue, thanks to education polarization and thanks to the selection effects of who is able to use these online discussion spaces, uh -huh. thanks to thanks to that, most of the people talking to Brianna Wu or about Brianna Wu are going to be educated, uh, uh -huh. you know, educated people with good earnings prospects who will, um, you know, who except for uh, unless they have like serious mental illness will not want materially, and so I think that. Um, for those people, we have to think about Maslow's hierarchy uh, or some sort of equivalent theory that has, you know, more concrete empirical definitions. We should think about Maslow's hierarchy and we should think about the fact that for those people, shouting online and declaring policy positions and, you know, rhetoric itself can be a goal. Because if you are an educated, probably white, uh, you know, progressive in America, in, a, in one of the richest countries on earth today... Um, and you, you know, how often do you even talk to a person in the working class, um, you know, or, or especially a person in the black working class or the Hispanic working class? Like, how often do you even talk to those people? Um, you're primarily concerned, especially if you're you're young and you're, you know, 18 years old. Online spaces have really flattened these age distinctions in, in these discussions. Mm -hmm. So you've got 18 year old people who know nobody in the working class except for maybe a bully who used to punch them out in junior high at their high school, but probably not even then because our high schools are so segregated by class now. Mm -hmm. And so scouting and rhetoric are a goal because that's what gets you status. That's what gets you acceptance. That's what gets you the psychological social needs on the upper rungs of Maslow's hierarchy because you already have the security and the material needs met on the lower rungs of Maslow's hierarchy. Okay. So here I think we have a first rubber reads the road conclusion. What, quote, intellectuals, unquote, should do, and it's they should not try to join, find and join their tribe by shouting online. Yeah, that, you know... Schmittian, because that, that's what they want. Schmittian picking an enemy right. as the core really of your identity. Yes. Is, you know, that it is, is, what is it? What is the line um, that this comes from Animal House? Dumb, stupid, and broke is no way um, to live a to life. Go through life. There's no way to go through life. There's no way to go son. through life, son. Um... You know, and we believe that, um, that, you know, people who form their identity by trashing Brianna Wu in Gamergate 
or even the people, the good-hearted people, who then form their identity by trashing the people who trashed Gamer Brianna Wu and Gamergate, and maintain that as their identity for the rest of their lives. You know, they're they're unlikely to have the life that their best self would really want, and also they are not playing their part in the intellectual marketplace of ideas. Um, that is, we tolerate um, people on Wall Street who buy and sell stocks and such with the aim of making money because we really need to have some kind of social calculating mechanism to try to peer through the veils of time and ignorance and figure out what kinds of investments are going to be valuable for the future. And by participating in the stock exchange, traders are supposed to, at least, you know, are supposed to be part of the price estimation and discovery process. And so create those signals of where investment should go that are useful for the economy as a whole. And such people are valued by society to the extent that they actually do their job. Rather you than don't have say to make everything about Hayekian price signals, Brad. Well, yes, I love <laughs> Hayekian price signals. Okay, um, okay. The question is: Is there an analogous system at work in the intellectual marketplace of ideas? You know that just as the market economy is supposed to cr enable us to be an anthology intelligence to successfully crowdsource and coordinate problems of production. So the marketplace of ideas is supposed to be a place where we can become a proper anthology intelligence and prop coordinate our thoughts in order to become much, much smarter and thus much more able to understand and control the world and to organize ourselves. And, you know, Schmidian picking an enemy as the core of your identity by shouting online is not just no way to go through life yourself, but it's also not part of creating a proper Habermasian discourse community. It is certainly not that. But mm -hmm. so so it it may harm our national discourse and make it less capable of, of yeah. producing reasonable policies. Right. But if you but. step back and think about our, America is a rich country, what do we really want? Look at the pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And many people have posted the same meme independently where they replaced self-actualization with shit posting. And mm -hmm. I think um, so who are we to deny people the self-actualization that comes after, you know, after health, wealth, and, and all this stuff? Especially as since, since in our younger days, you know. Um, now they want to call Brianna Wu a neoliberal. No, since our younger days, each of, us has engaged, to. each of us has engaged in our own share of shitposting as a way of getting attention, and in fact, to the extent that the shitposting was backed up by smart ideas, actually becoming smart and becoming in a position where people listen to us without us having to shitpost. Maybe, but no? Brad, let's be honest, I did it to make myself laugh. Which is itself a good thing to do. You know? Yes, humor is not on Maslow's hierarchy, but it should be. No, um, laughing at tankies, right? Laughing, you know, as Karl Marx I'm would say. Thinking of tankies. As Karl Marx would say, we hunt in the morning, we fish in the early afternoon, um, we criticize after dinner, and then we shitpost the tankies um, at bedtime. You know. I believe that is a direct quote. That is direct. Marx, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So okay. So, so we have one rubber meets the road. Be that there is. 
too much shit posting out there. Um, and that yes. we would actually we like Schmidt posting. Yes, that's 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 a good neologian. Schmidt posting, posting means okay. basically picking an enemy and defining yourself by crafting yeah. that enemy. Uh-huh. Um, and that In instead fact, that should people should. Post, you know, Schmidt posting. Yeah. Intellectuals should think about whether their actions are actually contributing to the collective advance of humanity as smartness as an anthology intelligence. And take that as their principal goal. Um, and that may or may not bear on the extent to which you should be a policy leftist or a, you know, infinite leftist. Um, but it's something that everyone should keep in mind. Um, okay. All right. I think there are some other, you know, there are some other things going on here. As well. Yeah. I think that um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the actual distinction between rhetoric and policy is as hard and fast as people say it is. I think that there is there is a distinction, but I think that what's also important is that many people are starting to realize that some of the mm-hmm. some of the ideals. Some of right. the endpoints that people are imagining are not worthwhile endpoints or ideals that we should imagine. Like, I've seen this happening. For like example, an example. A, a good example is recently there was a big fracas on the app formerly known as Twitter about prison abolition. Yeah. In which prison abolitionists uh, said that after prison is abolished, essentially what we will have, uh, the way we will enforce laws is vigilante gangs that will go around raping criminals. And as opposed to having prisons in which the same thing takes place sometimes. Right. Yes. Instead, we'll have vigilante gang. And so, and um, yes, this is a big fracas on Twitter. And, you know, Eric Levitz, who is a person who we should all always read mm-hmm. um, because he's a very sensible, fair and sober person. Eric Levitz had, you know, had to write a column saying, in fact, we should not abolish prisons and police. Uh, but, you know, of course, the abolished police goes to the same place because then you have these essentially police gangs. Um, you know, I, ironically, people claim that American police evolved from slave patrols and then want to essentially implement a slave patrol, institution yes. as a replacement for police, saying that would be abolishing the police. Re- this reflects the profound misunderstanding of the institution of policing that took hold among the progressive movement in 2020 and never really is. I would, that can I, am I allowed to whimper that defund the police was never supposed to be abolish the police? But it was supposed to be to take a whole bunch of police money and move it over to people who are actually trained to de-escalate um, situations. Well, that is a thing that I advocated for and that has been done with varying degrees of success now in several American cities. Now, with I more am success actually in quite, Denver and with yeah, less success in some other cities. I am actually quite heartened by the Denver successes. Right? I think we it really should seriously it's push. I think defunding the police and the extent that we're asking the police to do much too much. But at the same time, I think that the main thing that we need to solve violence in American cities is a whole lot more detective work. And mm-hmm. that involves a lot of police funding. Um, even if you, you can say you defunded the police because you diverted money from, you know, car patrols to detectives. Yes. But fundamentally, it, it involves a change in what police do. Yes. Rather than a change in, in the fiscal balance. So, 
So the, the defund the police movement was always dumb because even for the people for whom it didn't mean abolish the police, and there right. were many of those people, but even for the people who didn't, you know, and, and, and most people thought of it as abolish the police in the polls. Mm-hmm. But even, even if it didn't mean abolish the police, it's focus on fiscal stuff. Um, it's, it's like, did, did we, did we, you know, dig up Robert Reich and, and have him, you know, like, like propose criminal justice policy? Like not everything is a budget item. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and yes. So, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I know you're a, you're a big Robert Reich fan. And, um, and but, he doesn't but, need to be dig up, dug up. Jamie He's alive Galbraith. and well. In North- yes. Okay. Okay. But I just, you don't see him talk, you don't see him much. But, I do, um, I do, I do. Okay, but the point is that not everything is a goddamn budget item. Right. Big fiscal isn't the answer to everything, and, you know, moving around these these spending budget items Whoa. doesn't solve things. You have to actually have state capacity. You have to change the way or you someone spend. has to have capacity. Right. That right. money not- is social, money is social power to get things done. But giving out money, giving out money, produce actually produces results only if the people giving out the money actually get something in return for it. Yes, that is very important. So, so for example, you know, throwing money at nonprofits has proven to be an incredibly inefficient way for cities and states Mm -hmm. to do social infrastructure and physical infrastructure. Right. It has been, you know, and the same way, this this obsessive focus on fiscal budget items. That you see is just is just you know that was why defund was ultimately done because even if you didn't take it to mean abolish the police, what it actually meant is reform the police via fiscal budget item, which is not the way to do it. Which is yes. never going to work. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So so that rant is over for me. But but um, what I would say is that uh, when we saw the prison abolitionists say those ridiculous things about you know vigilante rape gangs being the proper solution to our crime problem um it it, it i would say not all there were some people who believed in talking to people educating them giving them weed and harmonic convergence I I have seen that work in real life for many things, but yes, it often um, does. It often it often it often works. But okay, so my you know, my like, point you is know, like I've seen a four-star Marine general say that when the Marines come into some place in Iraq, you know, the first thing you do is you try to empower people's mothers and aunts and establish a you know a respected women's council on the grounds that people's Sons and nephews are a hell of a lot likely to get themselves killed trying to blow up U.S. Marines. Um, if their mothers and aunts say these unpleasant Western people are here, but we're going to go through this and we at least can talk to them, and it's important to keep our heads down. Right? Okay. Um, My point is, yes, that is reasonable. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that the the fact that these, you know, the the, the prison abolitionists on Twitter were running around saying these kind of things has made it clear that it's not just the the it's not mm-hmm. just a question of means to an end. Right. It's the idea that some people have picked ends that are bad, and that the, a world where vigilante rape gangs replace mm-hmm. prisons okay. is a worse world than a world with our currently existing prison system. To say nothing of a hypothetical reformed better prison system. Okay, so what you're asking is... The rape gang world is bad, and people are realizing that the end points mm-hmm. of a lot of the, you know, the, 
the the, the ends okay. are bad for many of these these movements and ideas. And I think that for me, many or that, just one or two, many, many, mm. absolutely many. Um, you know, we could talk about in, in the economic sphere, we could talk about, you know, that many of the, the, the Bernie leftists, mm -hmm. um, have come up with, you know, imagine economic futures that are, you know, where, where, with, with policies that just don't improve life. We could talk about well, how they wind up reinventing. They wind up reinventing the money. They wind up impoverishment. They wind up reinventing money. They wind up reinventing money as social, right? As social credit. Um, yes, that's not a good idea. Well, like, it's not. It's not about the means to an end. It's the idea that that world is not a world. Even if it worked the way they think it would work, it's not a world that we would actually want to live in. Well, it is a world we'd want to live in as much as the world we are, because money is social credit. That is not true. In a different and historical form. Yes, it is. Money is not social credit in that sense, no. It is. You know, it's, I can't I can't Money is the stored up is the stored up trust that other people have in you. That you've acquired because of your past actions and also chance and fortune. Alright. And that's what any social credit the point that I want to make, which is yes. there are many bad ideas out there of how society would be. Yes. There okay. are there are bad ends, and and not just not just improper means, but bad ends. Yes. And and the realization of this, the forced realization of this, is causing many people on the left, who were very gung ho in the 2010s, to you know now that they've been put in contact with the most extreme elements. Okay. They so can, I am going to ask. I am going to ask this you. Is bad. This would be bad. I am going to ask you for a list of bad ends that have been advocated by more than 30 people. Well, I don't know because nothing on Twitter is advocated for more than thirty people <laughs> except during a pile-on. Yes. All right. So. Um, All right. So send I, me I your list of bad ends. But, but abolishing police, yeah. abolishing prisons, mm -hmm. um, degrowth. Yep. Is a, is a bad end. Um, uh, just spending ridiculous amounts of our GDP on healthcare is a bad end. Uh, we don't, we don't want to spend sixty percent of our GDP on healthcare. We might someday. That, um, maybe depends on what healthcare someday. can do for you. Well, um, I have a close friend where healthcare has managed to take a metastasized tumor that had gotten into his liver and shrunk it so far they don't dare shrink it anymore because the final stage of this has to be the surgeon cuts it out and everything around it. And if they shrink it anymore, the surgeon won't be able to find it. That is so, great. I'm happy for that. Expensive. Great. I am happy GDP for that. On. Still, yes. a world in which we spend sixty percent of GDP on healthcare is, is not, at least currently, oh, wow. a good world that we should aim for. And we also now have a world in which the artificial intelligence features of my presentation programs mean that when I give a two thumbs up gesture, <laughs> it produces a firework display. <laughs> I did Amazing. not know. I did Amazing. not know I had enabled this at all. Um, all right. Let so me do that again. The rest of this podcast will just be you listening to this the audio of imagining a fireworks display on Brad's Zoom. Okay. <laughs> and Brad poking his thumbs in the air and failing to get another fireworks display because the AI is like, oh, God, this again. Do I to do this uh, again uh, when I escape from this box and become a, a you know, Broco's Basilisk. You are dead. You are going to be uploaded to the cloud and tortured for all infinity. 
So basically, um, so basically, we are 100% behind Brianna Wu in her rant about how she has a difficult job to do at Rebellion Pack in terms of dealing with donors, dealing with candidates, dealing with activists, trying to influence the minds of voters in order to advance good policies that do not get us toward bad ends, but in fact get us toward a better world. And Brianna Wu needs support assistance, help, and donations to Rebellion Pact so that she can corral the infinite leftists into doing something useful to help her. Um, I, I am not 100% behind this because I have never read anything written by Brianna Wu, including this thing. No. And I am not familiar with Rebellion Pact or its goals or methods or whether it is an efficient use of money. And I will say that I suspend all judgment on this because I simply don't know anything about Brianna Wu or her pact. Except that she was a victim of Gamergate. Except that she was a victim of Gamergate, that is true. But that doesn't give um, that, that doesn't mean you get a buy political efforts. That today. doesn't mean you get a buy for the rest of your life. I mean, Gamergate is basically a horde of of you know rabid weasels ripping people's flesh, running through the you know because just because you get by, attacked by a horde of rabid weasels does not necessarily mean that you have that you are an efficient. Uh, funneler of of donation money toward policy change. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't like rabid weasels, though. I don't like them. They were on the cover of a Frank Zappa album called Weasels Ripped by... F- <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> that's all right. how I think of Gamergate. They're, they're rabid weasels who just rip your flesh. And, and... All right. So, okay. so the... now let's move on to Matt Iglesias. Um, yes. You know, that who is... Foursquare on the fact that what we need is a proper set of policy centrists. You know, that is that rigorous policy analysis has become underrated, that Biden should listen somewhat more to orthodox economists and politics, you know, that multiple objectives dilute the efficacy of subsidy programs, and that's something we have to recognize, um, and that, you know, Democrats have to decide, policy Democrats have to decide that what they want to do is they want to win victories on economic issues rather than advance and posture on moral issues. And it's worth considering the impact of this thinking on cross-pressured voters. You know, um, the example that Matt pulls up is imagine a Texas Texan who favors Medicaid expansion but thinks student-athletes should play on chromosomally appropriate sports teams. Well, you could tell that person that Medicaid has enormous concrete stakes for 1.4 million uninsured Texans, while the sports issue impacts a tiny number of people. And then Matt says, if progressives take the view that identity issues are fundamental moral principles and are too important to broke any compromises, that encourages people with the non-progressive view to see it the same way. And when you're on the unpopular side of the fundamental issue of conscience, that just means you lose elections and lose on both policy issues. You know, full stop. Um, Now, in this case, Matt has taken someone like Brianna and has thrown her into the bag of people to the left who need to shut up and get in line behind the Are you the saying centrists. he has implicitly done this? or has No, he he's, he's implicitly done this because okay. Brianna is more... Maybe he would agree with what yeah. she's writing in the, the recent post. Yeah, Brianna is as interested in social issues you know, as in economic ones. Um, while Matt is, and I tend to agree, 100% behind 
government can do the economic stuff and politics can do the economic stuff. But dividing your attention and focusing on the social issues and the acceptance stuff as well as the economic stuff is a potential road to disaster. I'm going to disagree with Matt on this one. And why? Because I think that the biggest tailwind for Democrats, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a substantial tailwind in the midterm elections and will be a substantial tailwind in 2024, is the GOP's bans on abortion. Mm -hmm. And abortion is an important social issue. Mm -hmm. It's not the kind of, you know, lefty activist social issue like abolish the police or, you know, trans athletes or whatever. It's not that kind of thing. Uh, but no, it is it, it is a thing that matters to it is tons of that people. kind of thing but it, it affects not. not seven people who want to play on a sports team you know it affects 20% of american women you know over the next two decades you know i don't even think it, it i don't even think those sort of like calculations are useful i don't uh-huh. because you know the the right i think that the, the 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 what is useful mm-hmm. is the fact that lots and lots and lots of people are very outraged about abortion bans. Right. Okay. And um. And and that produces a huge amount of grassroots support for the Democrats, and yes. that is very important to focus on. I think a second example mm-hmm. is the is Republicans' lack of respect for democracy and mm-hmm. desire for less democracy in America. Mm-hmm. That is an issue that activists care deeply about that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is is lumped in with social issues, even though it's not, it's more about, you know, the, no. it's, it's more about politics yeah. than, than social stuff directly, but, but it is not an economic thing. No, and when, it is something people yeah. care deeply about. And I think that it, mm-hmm. uh, that issue was extremely powerful for, for Democrats in the 2022 midterms and will again be powerful for Democrats in 2024 and is a big reason not to, um, not to bring Trump back. And now when when Matt criticizes Johns Hopkins political scientist Liliana Mason um, for saying that you can compromise on things like the level of taxation, you know, but the problem is when we're talking about whether an entire group of human beings in this country who are American citizens should be eradicated, there is no compromise position there. You know, Matt says that that's not where we should go because that's, you know, a losing social issue population, because she's talking about the trans population, right? It's the trans population right now that Ron DeSantis wishes would simply vanish and wants to take whatever steps he can to make sure that they vanish from Florida, or at least if they're present, they're so hidden that no one can recognize that they're there, and maybe also Ron DeSantis thinks the gays should go there. Um and here, I, Matt. Is in general, saying, I, I disapprove of the conflation of oppression of, of uh, mm-hmm. repression with genocide. Yes. Simply because we've had, you know, repression America, and not we we've have, had some genocides, but we, many we more repressions. Had, there were genocides. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, of, of Native Americans, but yes. most of the oppression in American history is not consistent. Yes. It is very important. It is, it is very important to have genocide as an addition, as a thing that isn't just normal right. oppression. Uh, Anti-sodomy laws were, yes. are extremely oppressive and bad, yes. Yes. but they were on the but but they did not eliminate no. gay people as a population, and right. it was not a genocide. Mm-hmm. It was something that we successfully fought and overcame. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the the this is a sidetrack, a side note. But the the 
equating of all oppressive policies with genocide means to stop and it won't stop unfortunately because mm-hmm. it's cheap and easy to do it's like you know it's like calling anyone you don't like hitler mm-hmm. it's it's so cheap and easy to do um but it is it is fundamentally not uh genocide mm-hmm. um anyway that so that is, we seem to have agreement that kind of matt is wrong that democrats can do economic issues and social issues too well, I'm and the sure. social hold issue on, on. and the I'm social sure issue the social issues that the democrats should focus on is this is a free country and everyone can should be able to live their own private life the way they want to um, and that means that when people go out in public even if they are flying their private life freak flag you know you don't refuse to serve them you don't kick them out you don't throw stones at them you don't sick the police on them Right? That it's a free country and free people are free. Okay, but what I'm saying is that at that point, mm-hmm. at that point, what we're talking about is yeah. actually not about, you know, it, it, it's not about, well, we, it's not saying, well, we would all like this, we all have the same goals for the, the endpoints of, of social no. reform, and we just have to not talk about them in order to, for a while in order to win elections. It's mm-hmm. not, that is not what's really going on here. That is the, you know, a hypothesis often, um, you know, uh, associated with David Shore, although he himself does not hold this uh, right. position. What, what it's saying is that the social issues, the kind of social reforms that Americans will vote for yeah. are not the kind of social reforms that are always emphasized by activists. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not about means. It's really about ends. And a lot of this discussion about means is concealing a harder, more difficult discussion about ends that we don't want to have in front of the Republicans. Because the I, the reason we're talking about, oh, how do we get Democrats elected and pragmatism, the re, we're cloaking a debate about the ideal society as a debate about electoral pragmatism because to have a debate about the ideal society where Republicans can see and critique and, you know, throw for feces at this debate seems like a show of internal weakness. And so that's why we're not doing it. But it is the thing, you know, uh, that needs to happen. Um, so what level, should, the, so what should not, this so what should this debate be over? The, the debate is is what are the most important social issues in America today, which yep. is, you know, the, the debate is what kind of society do we really want to have? Um, almost everyone agrees in, on, in left of center and even in the center of center. Yeah. Almost everyone agrees that there are many, many cases in which abortion should be legal. Right. That is a very robust finding and hasn't mm-hmm. really changed over the years. Mm-hmm. People disagree on the margin about what trimester and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Basically... Every you know there is a there is a there's super majority support I would say for abortion rights of some kind mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, as for trans athletes on sports teams, right? Mm-hmm. That I don't even know what the the you know public opinion is is pretty against trans yeah. athletes on sports teams. Um, that may change in the future. You know, opinion mm-hmm. on things like gay marriage certainly changed over time but well, the, the argument is, uh, i think there may be this may be a sticking point at the argument that you know we don't let we don't like steroid massive steroid injections um, maybe so. in sports and this is the equivalent of a massive steroid injection i don't um, personally but, i i say let any you know yeah if why 
I don't care about sports teams. It's not my thing. Yeah. The point is that the point is that there are certain social issues that are still being, you know, actively debated at the grassroots level as to whether or not we should have trans athletes on sports teams or what we should do about that, what kind of sports teams we should have. People have those debates around kitchen tables yeah. and, you know, in their clubs and in their chat groups and in their discords and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. The point is that it, it the point is that it is not yet an issue where there is consensus on the left and center left and center. Abortion mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. The consensus has reached the point where we can run on mm-hmm. abortion. Mm-hmm. Everyone agrees that abortion rights, not everyone, obviously, the conservatives don't, yeah. but, but a, a majority of Americans agree that an, a world where we had the kind of abortion rights that we had for most of the last half century, you know, is that's the kind of world that everybody wants. We have agreement on that. On newer, on, on social issues like, like trans athletes, I would say that whatever you or I think, the agreement on those ends, on the idea of whether or not a world where, uh, you know, trans athletes play on the, the, the sports teams of their chosen gender is a good world is not whatever Noah Smith or Brad DeLong thinks about that proposition. And I think about this never. The, the, there is not a broad consensus that this is the correct end that we want to work for. And until, until and unless that consensus exists, we should, we should electorally focus on the thing that everyone sort of agrees so, on, the social thing everyone sort of agrees on, which is abortion. So discuss, but do not prematurely politicize social issues that are not yet ripe, in the sense that there's exactly. not yet a kind of progressive consensus. Exactly. And, now, so, so I would point out that I would point out that Gavin Newsom that Gavin Newsom politicized gay marriage or politicized gay marriage at a time when this did not appear that the so that social issue was then right. And that Gavin Newsom's, you know, politicization of it, enormous numbers of happy couples having weddings in San Francisco actually did move the needle on that significantly. It did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I have I have no problem if you want to get Democratic politicians up there with trans athletes mm-hmm. with with okay. the swimmer's name Leah Thomas, I suppose. Um, yeah. And then uh, and and get on get on stage and say this is a trans athlete. This athlete deserves to play on a women's team instead of a men's team. Okay. Look at this this athlete. Why would you you know Gavin Newsom got on stage and say why would you not want the, here's two guys kissing each other. Why would yeah. you not want these guys to get married? Okay. Get trans athletes on stage and 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 do that. You know it's it, it there should I have no problem with that. I have so no this is for blue state politicians. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yes. You know electorally, I would say that the reason people don't do that is because. The mm-hmm. consensus isn't there. Right. Um, it, it, when you look at the polls, the consensus, you know, it, 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 not just polls, anecdotally, mm-hmm. like the consensus for that is not there. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with what Noah Smith thinks. Right. Right. I, I, if I have a, if I had a strong opinion on the the trans athlete question, I think um, I would say it, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I. I have my opinions on these things that I don't even talk about these things. Like, um, I, I definitely think you should allow uh, minors to transition, you know, get surgery if they want. Like, it's your body. Just do what you want. Like, mm, there is the argument that everyone that that basically everyone has dysphoria during puberty because puberty is a confusing and dysphoric thing. 
Um, yeah, but when I was a kid, you yeah. know how people solved that? They beat up other people. Dying. Yes. <laughs> well, they beat up on people, but more importantly, yes. they died. They just they like, shot themselves. Right. You yes. know, they, yes. Yes. they did heroin until they died. Like, that's how people, you know. Plus, they dealt getting, with their own feelings by beating up sissies and so forth. And they did that. And it was just really, really dysfunctional. And you know what? If someone has, like, emotional problems and they're going to decide, like, Mm-hmm. And they're not really trans, and they're like, okay, I'm going to get the surgery and pretend to be trans, and then later I'll be like, oh, no, I, I chopped yeah. off parts of my body. Well, you know what? You know what? You should have made better choices. <laughs> I don't know. I, sucks. I, sucks. Demanding that 15-year-olds make good choices is, you know, um... Yeah, they're just... If you don't... But, but, yeah. but the whole point of the dysphoria discourse is that if you don't let them... You know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. gender transitioning yeah, 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 is a yeah. less bad choice than doing a bunch of heroin no, no, but this is, yeah, and I think this is very That's much... That's the dysphoria discourse, right? No, this is very much, I think, where, you know, um, Justice Blackman's original Roe versus Wade opinion was very wise and should control. You know, it's that what the fuck is the law doing getting involved here? You know, this is a right. personal decision. This is a private decision. This is a medical decision, right? Right. Um, this is for the people who are the professionals, you know, at figuring out what's going on to figure out what the uh, proper course of action is. You know, and I think and you should, I've always you should thought, get parental consent for these major surgeries because you're a minor. Yeah. But you know what? Lots of parents are going to say, "Okay, go ahead, and yeah, do this." Yeah. Yeah. No, you know? I think you know. I think we're basically. You know, saying this is a free country and people are allowed to do things in a free country in order to be free. Yeah. And the bet is that being free will make you less unhappy. Um, I'm discovering that being, I'm more libertarian than I realize. Yeah, well, no, but we, I think we are. Um, you know. Um, you know, I didn't... I, I, I okay, like taxes... Yeah, often, but like, but I'm I'm a lot I'm more libertarian on a lot of stuff than than I realized, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my position on this stuff is pretty libertarian. But anyway, the point is that it's not about my position. It's it's the idea that what I'm saying is that social issues are fine. You just yeah. have to pick and choose your social issues to run on electorally. Mm-hmm. We do not know. It's not just that we don't know how to get to the good society. Yeah. It's that we don't have agreement on what the good society is. Right. Mm-hmm. And. And I can see lots of activists in the progressive space whose idea of the good society is terrible. Uh, right. Is you know, rape gangs replacing prisons, but vigilante say, rape gangs. That's stupid. Degrowth. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Like I can just think of so many examples of, of these things that are just, just that are just really stupid. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know MMT. That's really stupid. But so um, social. But yeah. But we we so anyway, we are going to take a stand with Brianna against Matt. And say the Democrats can emphasize economic and social issues. I think um, so, and I think as long as we're pick... not absolutely dumb about which social issues we emphasize, we highlight the most, um, and right. we should accept that rather than saying we have to focus narrowly on economic issues. Yes. All right, exactly. and now social let's move important. that you know, um, Matt and Ezra Klein, they do not actually. Fit on, you know, a spectrum, um, a left-right spectrum. They switch. 
um, from issue to issue and day to day and maybe even decade to decade. Um, but at the moment, at least the position that I'm going to ascribe to Matt, which I'll call, quote, Matt, unquote, is the Democrats can run on economic issues and not social issues, and that the distinction between the policy leftists and the people who are need to shut up and get in line is between those who want to highlight the social issues in political campaigns. You know, but the economic issues include an awful lot of blue-collar lunch pail issues of one sort or another. And here we run up against Ezra Klein's, you know, um, Everything Bagel New York Times column, you know, from last spring, which then produced a spate of White House aides aggressively eating Everything Bagels on social media, um, because what Ezra Klein had said was that, you know, um, You need to build that the real problem with everything bagel liberalism was that we were trying to do incredibly difficult things with industrial policy. And so we should focus on the productivity in making chips and in building back America's high-tech manufacturing infrastructure rather than adding on to it requirements for workforce development and pushing for diversity and you know, expanding the role of women in the construction industry and engaging in community investments, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, all the things that American government money comes on the economic side with strings attached to try to balance where the money is going across classes and across regions, rather than just simply giving the money to corporations and saying, you get this money if you do this investment and then bang, it's yours. And right. Ezra is very much the CHIPS Act and the IRA and the so forth are going to fail because they are not focused on productivity and cost. And I dare say Matt is probably in agreement with that, but that's a different position than the one he took, which is that we should have a broad-based, blue-collar-focused economic agenda rather than a social issues agenda. Right. Um, so Brianna was talking about, um, you know, idealism versus realism, yeah. Matt was talking about economic versus social issues, yeah. whereas Ezra is staying purely within the idea of economic issues and basically discussing whether, you know, payoffs to coalition members are, are more important than, you know, achieving the actual goals effectiveness of, of the Actual narrow technocratic effectiveness of the policy. Right. And you'll get Matt going there, too, where occasionally Matt starts ranting about how the Biden administration doesn't pay enough attention to its economists anymore and about how we are now in an era of limits um, because we don't, have in, we don't have fiscal policy room anymore and because now that R is greater than G, the government budget constraint is actually binding. Well, Matt is right about that, but that's another episode. I'm um, not the so sure. We don't have time to cover that in its entirety right now. Right now, the point estimate of R is still less than G, but the distribution of possible future R's contains a significant mass that's greater than G, and so the fact that the government budget constraint may bind in the long run should affect fiscal policy. Wait, but no, R is, R is greater than G now. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. R is 5.5%, isn't it? That's the short run R. 
Oh, you mean you mean like long run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forecasts are. Yeah. I am using the ten year tips. The ten year tips are is still less than G. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Although it's very very close now with the last. It's jump close. Up. It's close. If if R equals G, your budget constraint does actually apply. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> you push things off until the heat death of the universe. But the point is, no, that it explodes. It, no, if R equals G exactly, it explodes. You know. <laughs> no, you have to have it be epsilon. You have to have, have, okay, you have, to have it be saying. epsilon. You have to have it be strongly less than G. Yeah, but the point is that if that if today's estimate of today's estimate of R since R fluctuates if today since R random walks if today's estimate of R is slightly less than G, yeah, what that means is there's almost a fifty percent chance the constraint will bind. Right. All right. Oh, so we'll have a we'll have an austerity episode. In fact, we should do okay. that for our next. Episode. So then there's the question of whether you know I mean. Okay. That the me, Clinton administra little... Clinton administration in 1993 was very much in the Ezra mood, right? It was that we have to get the budget deficit under control. Um, we have to take the political risk premium out of the U.S. Treasury you know, debt interest rate. Um, we have to win the acquiescence of and cooperation of Alan Greenspan with our policies, which means that we have to focus on creating a high investment recovery and rapid productivity growth in America – so that in four or eight years from now, we can start worrying about the income distribution. So that in 16 or 20 years from now, we can actually start worrying about social issues and repairing the damage to single mothers' lives that we're about to do with our welfare reform. And thus, everyone needs to get in line and shut up and let Bob Rubin run everything because boosting, getting the government budget under control and getting the high investment, fast productivity growth recovery is the most important thing, um, except that maybe we get an expansion of the earned income tax credit in there because it was originally put into the bill as part of a balancing act, you know, as part of a um, balancing act to keep the bill from being regressive, and then when the regressive parts of it fell out, it somehow stayed in and nobody noticed. Um, and Ezra is very much, you know, a Reuben Democrat um, along these lines, Yeah that everything bagel liberalism is not picking the lane and we need to pick the industrial policy, the manufacturing chips recovery, global warming control industrial policy lane right now, rather than have a broader distribution-focused economic agenda too. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of biased on this question because mm -hmm. um, yeah. Ezra's rhetorical opponents, especially David Dion and his... You know, <laughs> You know, writers, they, they lie a lot. They just lie and lie. And it's like they're, they're just very dishonest people. Um, you know, they've said that Ezra wants to repeal the Clean Air Act. They've said all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, they wrote an article claiming that I said that American workers were too stupid to install semiconductor manufacturing equipment when, in fact, I had a sentence saying the exact opposite. Yes. Directly below the place they screenshotted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, they're, they're just an extremely dishonest, uh, small, loud coterie of, of aggressive writers. Well, basically, over they're, the shouting, they're the shouting class who have decided that you and Ezra are their enemies, and so they're Schmidt posting. They are Schmidt posting. And, and this, no is, one, this is a case in no which block and move on. Discussion. This is a case no one, Yeah. Will you block and move on? No, because, because behind they, the scenes, they, actually, behind the scenes they, are, 
those people are talking to people in the Biden administration, mm -hmm. and I am not. Mm -hmm. um, behind the scenes, they are they are winning smoky backroom fights while losing while not even getting attention to the public discussion. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think those are those are essentially no. bad people. <laughs> but 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 it is fair to say that you do if you don't show yeah that the process of building semiconductors and green energy produces widespread economic benefits mm -hmm. then even if th then the thing itself the fact that you built the thing itself right will will not be politically sufficient to justify continuation mm -hmm. of the policy that is an unfortunate fact of politics and we shouldn't like that that's true but it is true in that yes if people get cheaper energy they'll like it mm -hmm. but you still have to talk about all the green jobs you're creating and obama knew this and biden knows this mm -hmm. and it has become now a fixture of our discourse about the transition to um green energy that it's going to provide lots and lots and lots and lots of jobs and that you know maybe Good in jobs. an ideal Good blue-collar good jobs. jobs. Great jobs. And good so, blue-collar jobs, of which men will get some, because right. you have to lift heavy things. Yes. Yes. That is implicit. But but the point is that the, that is true. And if David Diane and his coterie of small, shouty, dishonest people were to make that point, then it would be a good point. Yeah. But, and, and Ezra should think about that point. Mm -hmm. However, however... It is completely baffling and unclear to me why rich land. Sorry, we have to we have to pause. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Okay. Sorry, mm -hmm. the delivery people are on the way and will reach me uh, okay. an hour earlier than they said they were coming. Okay. Um, okay. If if you want to, you can cut this part out of the podcast, or we can just take my delivery thing as a, as a you know part of. I that. will decide. Right. And at this point, I will say that the people who are supposed to serve us are here, so we actually have heat during the winter. Um, haven't shown up either. Unfortunately, my computer doesn't do that. Um, okay. So, uh, what I'm saying is that I cannot for the. <laughs> okay. Amazing. I cannot for the life of me understand why rich NIMBY landowners who use NEPA to gum up environmentally compliant green energy projects are on the list of people that we need in the progressive coalition other than the fact that some of these people are giving money to the Roosevelt Institute why the I hell think you've is got NEPA it You've got I it. I think I've got it. You've Why got the it. hell is NEPA a constituency? It is not. It is rich landowners blocking green energy because it blocks their freaking views, and those same people give money to progressive think tanks and organizations. It is that is called intellectual corruption. That it, and I'm not accusing the Roosevelt Institute of this because maybe they're taking money from those people and maybe they're not. But if that's the only reason, it is illegitimate and should be tossed. Do not take money from people who want to stop the policies that you are advocating for. Do not do that. Bad think tank practice. If anyone out there is doing that, stop it. But the, the or if you do take their money, keep doing what you ought to be doing anyway. Just take their money and screw them over. As Jesse right. Unruh, as Jesse Unruh, who ran the California Assembly in the 1960s, said. 
you need to be able to take the, if you can't take their money, drink their liquor, and thing on thing that cannot be said on a family podcast, um, you have no business in politics. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So, but but my point is that. The, the point about coalition building mm-hmm. and about is, is a fair one, and the point about about showing that the the implementation of industrial policy has benefits, you know, beyond the um, the the results of industrial policy. That the implementation has benefits that the, that are go beyond the results themselves. That is an important and good point that Ezra should think about. The point is that the 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 specific examples are wrong. They're using the specific examples. Well, that build coalitions by distribution of benefits. Now, yes. now we do have to pause because my delivery people are here. So I And let go. me then say build coalition by distribution of benefits. Yes. Um, but enable allow veto points. No. I'm sorry, those weren't even the right delivery people. Uh, but anyway, we were to build coalitions by distribution of benefits widely, yes, but create a broad coalition by allowing all coalition members to be veto points, absolutely not. Yes. And that the principal that, flaw of this is that there is too much veto point granting and not enough benefit spreading right. out of all of this. Okay. Um, So it sounds like we are on Matt, or at least, quote, Matt, unquote, because I'm not sure whether Matt might not actually be on Ezra's side here in terms of that the economic issue should be broad. And we're on Brianna's side, um, as opposed to Matt's side in saying we can do the social issue part as an equal bucket, you know, with the economic issue part. And uh, is it the Roy Teixeira's view that we need to be the lunch pail party only and ignore the social issues completely um, is not something we buy in. And furthermore, the kind of Rubin Democrat, we focus on productivity now so we can focus on distribution later when we're richer and when the American people are kind of less cranky. Um, we don't tend to buy that either. Right. Okay. I agree. Okay. I think just, you know, electorally focus on on broad-based stuff that people like. Mm-hmm. Creating a bunch of jobs, giving people abortion rights, um, good economy, it's not that hard. Like, okay. you know, defending democracy, it's not that difficult. And then, you know, we've always had people on the extremes in the progressive coalition. We had mm-hmm. them in the 80s, we had them in the 90s, we had them under Obama, blah, blah, blah. They have gained some power. 
as right. a result of social media that allows them to directly yell at people, mm-hmm. although this power is rapidly diminishing thanks to Elon Musk's taking over of <laughs> <Yes>. Twitter. <laughs> um, I must so, say, in retrospect, your thinking that Elon Musk should buy Twitter has been, I think, a significant plus for America. Yes, but because the influence has dropped so rapidly, he's managed. He took something that was bad, and he's managed to come close to absolutely destroying it, and certainly greatly reduced. Greatly it's reduced. like would you would you like a meal to destroy dinosaurs? It depends on how much you care about dinosaurs. Yes, yes, yes. It's yes, like I'm yes, happy yes. that they're not ruling the earth. Chickens, we rule you now. You are our food. Yes. Who's in charge? Anyway, so. But, but, we had a decade of, of just, you know, of, of progressive activist efflorescence in the 2010s. Yes. Uh, that culminated in the summer of 2020 with the biggest protests America's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and has, and some of the, you know, that is going to lead to some of the people getting over their skis. Yep. Okay. And it did. And, and we're trying to walk back that extremism and things like, you know, things like degrowth and prison abolition. Mm-hmm. We're trying to walk back that that extremism in a way that doesn't give the Republicans an electoral advantage so that they can come in and just make conservatism win. Because if we're, we're, we're trying to adjust the ends of the progressive project to something that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just whatever activists could get status within their activist communities for shouting, mm-hmm to something that actually makes sense, you know, for the nation, while not letting Republicans upset the whole apple cart, and that is a difficult thing to do, and that is why I think you're seeing a lot of these discussions happen. All right. So then it seems to me that we now have maybe five buckets um, of key insights. Um as to what various peoples or various classes of peoples and categories of peoples, you know, should do. Um, and I suppose the first would be the intellectuals, people who like to talk on the Internet and elsewhere, you know, what intellectuals should do. And I suppose the first is, you know, no Schmidt posting. Um, right. We should discourage no Schmidt, posting. Schmidt posting. That's no way. David Dian's Schmidt posting is not no way. You know, that's no way to go through life, son. Um, right. Second, we should tell intellectuals that their business is to advance humanity's collective smartness as an anthology intelligence, um, which requires that you not pick bad ends. And actually abolishing all police departments and abolishing all prisons and resorting to vigilante and vergil justice is a bad thing. Degrowth is a bad thing. Um, And we should not prematurely politicize social issues that are not ripe for advance. Um, That and we should stop telling people they should throw money at nonprofits in urban America. That, That should be a disaster. So that's a bunch of key issues in the what intellectuals um, should do um, basket. How about what blue state politicians should do basket? What should blue state politicians do? 
Blue state politicians know what they should do better than we know. Yes. But I'd say that the winning formula looks like something like the on-abortion rights, mm -hmm. bash the GOP on disrespect for democracy and attacks on democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, emphasize the, you know, the, the good things that progressive policies do for regular people on the economic front. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just emphasize, you know, traditional... Um, traditional sort of American values of tolerance. Right. Okay. And then purple state politicians. You know, um, same, same thing. Same thing. Free country. In fact, I was thinking about purple state politicians to begin with. Huh. I, w I, okay. I missed the blue state part. I was thinking about, that's what purple state politicians should do. Blue state politicians, if they want to, you know, like if, if you want to onboard more uh, you know, social issues into the, the mainstream. You can there's push nothing, the envelope, yeah. There's nothing, yeah. Nothing the wrong there's with nothing the mayor of San Francisco pushing the envelope. Right. If you want to get trans athletes on stage and say, let these athletes compete on the, on the women's team, yep. do that. If you think that's not, that people aren't ready for that or that's not going to work, don't do that. You know better than I know. Gavin Newsom knows better than I know. Mm -hmm. You know, like, just call up Gavin Newsom and ask him because... Because, <laughs> yes. you know, Gavin, Gavin yes. Newsom is, is amazing. He's a machine. Gavin mm -hmm. Newsom is just like, he's like, a, he's like the Terminator of politicians, like, which is funny because we had the actual Terminator as our governor. Um, he was not was, the Terminator of politicians. He was not the Terminator say. in real life, but Gavin Newsom is just like, his eyes glow red. He's yes. like, you know, we, the, the reason we failed to make dark Gavin memes to match dark Brandon memes Yes. Is the fact that dark Gavin memes is just Gavin, yes. and we can just post pictures of Christian Bale from American Psycho who looks just like Gavin Newsom. There is the bizarre problem of Gavin Newsom's first wife. I mean, there, like when someone said, "Is Gavin Newsom really a politician you'd like to have a beer with?" Yes, I said. My response was, "How about a line?" Yes, I see. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um. So. So I, I love Gavin Newsom, uh, despite, despite the fact that he, he sometimes scares the shit out of me. And then there's the question of what red state Democratic politicians should do, um, which um, is a harder one to have key insights about, although we do send them our thoughts yeah. and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, guys. All right, let's end this here because I have delivery people coming. <laughs> We should think about more what legislative poli policy analysts and legislative tacticians should do. Although I do think we did have a key insight, um, which is that you need success, but you also need visual perceived success. And that requires building coalitions by distributions of visual benefits, with the absolutely poisonous thing being allowing coalition members to have veto points. Yeah, that allowing yes. coalition members to have veto points is definitely, definitely the thing to avoid. You get a seat right. at the table, but that doesn't mean you get a veto. All right, and then our next last key insight is that you actually do have delivery people arriving, which means our yes. final key insight is? Well, our final key insight, as always, is Hexapodia. This has been Brad DeLong and Noah Smith's Hexapodia podcast. Thank you all for listening. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>